He is the proprietor of what I believe is the best burger in all of Russellville. He also spent his 18th birthday in a really interesting place. Jeremy Hames is on the spotlight next. Studios of Alathis Realty in beautiful downtown Russellville. We welcome you into the spotlight on this Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Drew Britton. If you're in the market to buy or sell your home, give us a call today. It's 479-968-5668 or cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. One of our agents is always ready, willing, and able to serve you. Give us a call today. 479-968-5668 or cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. Guest at this time is a friend of mine. I've only known him a couple of years. We met at Game for Change a few years ago, and since that time, he has been one of those guys who uh, consistently tries to hate on the fact that I can't game, but he makes a mean burger. This <laughs> is Jeremy Hames. What's up, buddy? Another day. Another day. Another day. You, uh, I remember a couple years ago, we were sitting in your apartment, and you had this idea you said, I think I'm going to open my own restaurant. And I've been 17 years in the restaurant business, and I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear friend, do you know what you're doing? But here we are two years later, and apparently you do. The gunslinging burger is hopping and bopping, my friend. That it is. Um, it's been a long, long time coming. Um, I've been looking at opening my own restaurant for pretty much my entire life. So, I mean, um, actively in the past, before I opened up the restaurant, we're just over one year. Um, about three years before that, I was actively looking at every location I could find. Everywhere from Little Rock, Fort Smith, Conway, um, Russellville, Clarksville, any location I could, just to try to open up a restaurant. Was it, um, was it something that you had, that had set your mind to of saying, you know what, I really, really, really want to have a burger place not necessarily um so for me it was um i've had multiple different concepts multiple different ideas on um restaurants that i've wanted to open and honestly the burger idea was probably one of the last ideas i had um i've had and of course kind of thrown back and forth trying to figure out which one i wanted to go with and the reason I went with the burger was because my biggest thing is I wanted to get something that no one else had ever had. I wanted to create something no one had ever tasted, um, some ideas way out there. And, of course, burgers I felt like was kind of the easiest way to go, get people to uh, package something into a form that they know to try something outside of the box. And that's interesting because there are some burgers over at Gunsling and Burger that are – <laughs> Out of the box, for sure. Very much so, yes. Um, Abby Balch was on this show a couple of days ago. And she asked me if I had tried the burger with the banana on it. The tequila burger. The tequila burger. And I have had a bite of it. And I enjoyed it. I had no idea that I would enjoy it. <laughs> because it's a banana. Yes. On a burger. Yes. There's all kinds of different flavors that you have over there. First question, 
What's the most out there flavor you have? And second, what's the inspiration behind these? Um, most out there burger I would have in flavor concept. Um, that would be kind of a difficult one to say. Um, because I have, I think we have is 19 burgers of hamburgers on the menu, along with seven chicken burgers on the menu. And they range everywhere from sweet to savory, savory to spicy, and everything in between. Um, it's very different. I've got different burgers. So the tequila burger, um, the reasoning with that, the banana has an umami flavor profile that acts and complements the beef. It brings out the flavor and the richness of it. Um, so there's a very complementary idea with that. Um, and I've got other burgers um, that kind of go with that. I've got the Raging Cajun, which I took a boudin sauce, and the burgers based it in that. And it's got a lemon herb rice with Cajun shrimp on it with a um, roumoulade. So things like that. As for where the inspiration, the ideas come for this, I have a whiteboard in the kitchen with about 200 different just random ingredients of things that I want to work with. And I have people who've um, stopped in. They give me an idea. It's like, hey, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about using this? And I write it down. And from there, it's just kind of a match game. Just kind of match things together, figure out what I can come up with a new idea. Is there a burger that you've come up with that was a surprise hit that you didn't think was going to be a surprise hit? Um, I mean, we've had some. Um, so the biggest problem I have with it is some people, they kind of look at the ingredients and they go, it's like, no. Right. They, they just kind of automatically, and of course the tequila burger is very much that people look, it's like, uh, yeah, I'll take that, but I don't want the banana. I'm like, well, just give it a shot. Just give it a try. If you don't like it, I mean, we can take it off. I'll remake you a whole nother burger if that's what you want. My whole thing was to get people to try something they never would try anywhere else. Um, I've had some. Um, I'm trying to think what would be the most out there one that people have just really came across. And of course I would think probably the one that I didn't, that took me for a big shock and that would probably be the death Valley. Oh my goodness. That I knew was going to be popular. I knew people were going to, certain people were going to like that. I didn't think it was going to be in probably in my top seven burgers on the menu. Um, it's fire. <laughs> I don't know if fire is the right word that's, for that. That's a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Gates of Hell um, sauce that I, is my homemade sauce that I make in-house. It's 23 peppers, including ghost, scorpion, and reaper, but with enough smoky and sweetness to kind of tone it down. That goes lightly toning down uh, because it is still hotter than most people would want. But I would not believe how many people actually want that burger. I mean, that is a very spicy. That is made for people who want and want spice. Um, but we have a lot of people who come in. They challenge their friends to try it. It's like, ah, I bet you can't finish it. So they go back and forth with it. But that is a very popular burger. And, of course, we sell it in jars also. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. You know, my, my, my daughter, Adora, I think you've met her once or twice, mm -hmm. where um, she, the other night, we're sitting at her grandparents' house, and she's eating ghost pepper potato chips. Just one after one after one. And she says, Drew Boo, try this. So I, I picked one up. I ate one. I sobbed. I openly wept. I was <laughs> done. She ate the whole bag. She loves that stuff. And there's all kinds of people who do. 
Yes. Not faulting them at all. But here's what I want to know. Why on earth did you ever say to yourself, hey, listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the hottest peppers I can possibly find, and I'm going to throw them together, and I'm going to destroy people. <laughs> okay, so for that um, was quite a few years back. I had some friends that they loved spicy food, and they were always asking, like, what, what's the hottest thing you can make? Just make me something really spicy. And, of course, the thing with that is I decided, I was like, okay, I know a lot of people like spice. And you can take those. I know people who can eat those peppers and just eat them straight. Um, and they, they like it. I'm like, okay, well, the problem is at that point, all you taste is the heat. There's no flavor in it, really. Um, it's just a lot of heat. So I was like, well, let me see. And I put it to him. I challenged myself. I was like, let's take the three hottest natural peppers, combine them together, and then let's just try to make a good flavor. Because, and of course, that's one of the big, biggest things I've had a lot of people say. It's like, well, this is really, really good. It's really hot, but it's got a good flavor to it. And I was like, I wanted to make sure the flavor was in there. I didn't want it just to be straight heat because a lot of people can do that. And I will tell you, it was a lot of test, trials and tests to try to get that down. And of course, I don't like spicy, but I tasted it enough times at the very beginning. I won't touch it again. No? No, I, don't, I do not try that. I have had my fair share of that. And I don't do much spicier than a habanero. So for that was extremely painful. But I was like, I'm not going to make something that I won't try myself. I don't care how bad it is. It's like, I'm going to at least have to try it. Well, that's the chef's mindset, right? It you is. Have, you have to try it. Yeah, I have to try it. I'm not going to serve something because if I don't know what it tastes like, how do I expect to try to write up a description on this, try to explain to someone and then when they ask, it's like, what's the flavor of this? I can't do anything. I'm like, well, I've had other people tell me. Right. But they don't have, they might not have that mindset of what flavors complement. And of course, everything that I make um, on the menu, everything has a reason that it's on there. I don't just throw things for filler. I don't throw things just like, well, I need to make, I need to add more stuff to this. I go into a lot of science and research into the different flavors, components that kind of complement each other. And everything has a purpose on every single burger. Everything that goes into every sauce that is on the burger. It's nothing is just thrown in there last minute. Let's talk about that. Okay. How much how much R and D do you do? And what's the process on, on the R and D when you're trying to here's here's why I ask. You mentioned earlier, I put the banana on the tequila burger because it's got a numami pre, uh, mm -hmm. flavor profile that complements the beef. So clearly you are skilled in culinary arts. You've had some education in this. What's, I mean, how, how what, what's your process in developing this kind of flavor palette for a particular burger? Um, so everything kind of goes together with it. Um, most of the time I have an idea because there are certain flavors that um, correlate to each other. So one of my newest burgers that I, I brought out earlier this year was the Tiki Island. Of course, it has pineapple, it has coconut on there. I'm like, okay, those are very two flavors that are very common. People know those two. They like those two together. So I was like, okay, I want to build something around this. So I was like, okay, so I can kind of go into like a spicier way of doing this, or I can kind of go into a sweeter way. And then I decided, I was like, well, I want to add a little bit extra sweetness to this. The So brown sugar to the pineapple would add a good flavor to it. Um, kind of go with the teriyaki that's on the burger. So there's a lot of different things I'm looking at is because, like I said before, all my burgers range from sweet to savory to spicy. There's I have 
every aspect of what you can think of for a burger, I have something that complements that on the menu. So I have to kind of think, I was like, well, I have so many of these sweet burgers, I have so many spicy burgers. So I kind of have to figure out, it's like, because I can go both ways. Right. There, there's a possible way of going any direction that I want to with any kind of ingredient. Um, it's just kind of depending upon, and of course, the biggest thing is the people. I have to think about what your customer is going to want. Because there's certain things that people kind of look at, like, mm, I don't know about that. Right. Um, there's things that you put put on there, pineapple on a burger. They most of the time don't even read everything else. It's like, yeah, right. I want a pineapple on a burger. And so they just kind of go with that. And I'm like, well, it's not just that. If you're thinking that you're going to get a pineapple on a burger, then you're going to be surprised by what you get in right. that burger. Um, so there is a lot of um, research and things that I do. Um, and, of course, I kind of always have to build around the different, the acidities um, and stuff like that to try to figure out where I need to go. We're going to get back to burgers here in just a few minutes. Okay. By the way, Gunslinging Burger is the place where Jeremy Hames is operating out of. He is the proprietor. Hey, can you hit us with an address, phone number, ways to reach you real quick? Uh, we are located at 713 East, East 4th Street in Russellville, Arkansas, um, directly across from Sonic and H&R Block. Um, you can um, call us at 479-219-3517. Uh, we are open Monday through um, Saturday, 11 to 7.30 every day, except for Tuesday, close at 1.30. Um, so make sure to uh, go by and see Jeremy every single day. Go buy all of the burgers. We're going to talk more about burgers here in just a few minutes, but there's a whole lot more to Jeremy Hames than, than the chef side. <laughs> uh, the, the chef side, although the chef side is a prominent side, probably the most prominent side. Probably so. That's, I mean, it's, it's clearly your passion. Yes. But you've got another passion. You spend some time in this studio about once a month or so. Yes. How'd you get hooked up with Game for Change? Uh, so Game for Change, um, I've always had a, um, so my biggest things um, was food and music. Those are my two things growing up. I always wanted to do it. And I knew I wanted to either go into culinary, I wanted to go into like music produ production and lighting tech and stuff like that. I also have a very, I have a degree, um, a background in theater and lighting and stuff like that as well. So that was kind of my thing. Um, of course, I had the studio. Um, I have a home studio I record out of. Um, I've done some recording for um, some video games and uh, musicians. Um, so I've kind of had that. And then um, I've always, I've been good friends with Matt since I met him. Um, we started working together back in um, 2014. Um, so, and of course he left and I've always stayed with him. Um, we were good friends and then he kind of had this thing about, um, game for change, his idea for it. And I was coming back. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, you know where I was coming back from, from Little Rock. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil that cause I know you want to talk about that later. About that. That in a second, so yeah. I'm not going to say that for where I was coming back from. And I had just posted a picture that day of the new studio setup, I had my full um, studio set up, mm -hmm. and he had saw it and he asked me on that, um, he's like, how much would you um, charge um, for doing some recording? And I'm like, well, I mean, you're a good friend. I was like, oh, we'll work something. He's like, well, let's meet up tomorrow because I've got a proposition for you. And so we met up the following day, and he told me of what he wanted, and I'm like, okay, I, I like this. I like this idea. I like where you're going with this. It's like, I'll help you out. 
And of course, that was the that was on Wednesday. That first show was the following week. And we need to clarify too, if you're not familiar with Game for Change, Matt Ketchum is the host of Game for Change. It's a show that airs, um, I think, between eight and ten times every single year. It's shot right here in this studio, uh, but you can find it at Game, the number four change. And basically, what the show is is it highlights nonprofits in the yep. area, interviewing folks who who represent those nonprofits while they're playing video games. Yes. Okay. It's Wednesday. Okay. Sorry. Um, so that was Wednesday, and we talked. I was like, okay, I like this. It was that following week you guys had the show. And I watched the show live on Facebook, or Twitch at that time. And, yeah, it was, uh, there was a lot of... Um, the content was good. The content was great. Um, it, it was not, the first two seasons were not shot in this studio. No. Um, <laughs> no, the, so the, there was some... Uh, very much audio issues with that first one. And, of course, I kind of looked. I was like, okay. Um, and he had, uh, told, I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, okay, here's what we have. It's like I've got microphones. I've got the mixer. It's like we're going to run everything through it. I'm like, we're going to get this sounding great. Um, we'll give everyone headsets. It's like we're going to sound great. And, of course, we went through that second show, and big difference in audio-wise. It, just, it was a lot easier to hear because the right. first one was – it, yes, it was great content, but you have to get pa- past the fact of all of that echoing and just bellowing right. down on it. But if you get past that, yeah, it's a great show. Um, but Grandma's couch pants. Oh man, came out of that show. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Matt was talking the other day um, last when he was in here a, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, Becky Lynch, his yeah. son. Yeah, mentioned that very same thing. Yeah. Yep. Matt, when Matt was in here, yeah. So. But no, it kind of went from there, and from that point, I joined the second show, and yeah, it's just I've been with them ever ever since, and it it is one of my passions. With it, is I love to do help out in the community. Yeah, uh, you, you're you're very community focused, as yes. you just mentioned. You are people focused. You have a heart for you have a heart for ministry. Yes, and this transitions really well into. Something that I did not know about you. Now, we could tell my backstory for you, but you can go back to the Game for Change archives for that. Your 18th birthday yes. was spent in a very strange place. And I would have, I, in order for me to set the story up, the way that Jeremy told me was, I'm going to look directly into this camera for dramatic <laughs> effect. Drew, my 18th birthday was spent in prison. Go. So I got to foresay with that. Um, that was always my dream. It was my dream for like four years that I'm going to spend my 18th birthday in prison. And it just so happened to be, fall perfectly on my 18th birthday. Um, so I got started in prison ministry um, at the age of 14. Um, I went with my church or youth group. And we went down to the women's unit in Pine Bluff. I went one time, loved it so much. Um, just the the church service that went on in that prison was unlike any other service I'd ever been to. And um, so that point, I was like, hey, no, it's like, I like this. And they're like, oh, well, we come every month. I'm like, okay, we're going again. I was like, at 14, I was spending once a month inside the Pine, Pine Bluff Women's Unit. 
And from there, we went up to two times a month. So I spent a lot of time growing up into that. And But my biggest thing was the motorcycle ministry that was a part of at the time um, was going into Tucker Prison. Of Tucker is a um, higher level security. You have to be 18 in order to go in there. You can't be under 18. So, of course, that was one of my biggest things. I was like, man, I want to go in there. I want to go in there. And finally, it kind of came up to it, and my birthday fell on the perfect time. And the leader, he was like, okay, I'm going to give it to you. It's like, we're going to go in on your 18th birthday. So I had to go down, get my ID ahead of time before I even turned 18 in order for me to get down there. And, yeah, I spent out at 7 o'clock that morning. I went into Tucker Prison on my 18th birthday. I've known a lot of ministers in my life. And, you know, they range in calling from kids ministry to misfit ministries, that kind of thing. It is a special calling to go into a prison. Yes. Walk me through that as much as you can. Okay. Um, so, yes, you're very, you're very correct in that format. Um, it is not for everyone. I've heard people that say, it's like, yeah, I kind of I would like to do that. I'm like, don't do it unless you know that's what you want to do. Um, I was like, it's not for the faint of heart because um, it, it is a very different aspect. The first moment you get locked behind those doors, those gates, you lose everything of your ability. You are no longer a civilian. You are treated, if anything goes wrong in there, you are treated as a resident. Um, there is no difference in that whatsoever. Um, and kind of going into that, I have been inside of um, unit doing service when there was a riot that happened. And we went into total lockdown. And so at that point, yeah, it's um, you listen to the guards and you stay in line. Um, it's very different. But like I said, um, the it's it, I hate to say it, but the best service, church services I've ever been at have been behind bars. Do you attribute that to the fact that a lot of these people, most of these people who are in prison, are very likely at the lowest point of their lives? This is what they've got. A lot of it it is. Um, and, of course, that was kind of my my biggest, my our calling for the ministry that we had, which our ministry was um, born to raise hell. Of course, it's a very, a lot of churches didn't like us. For the reason right. of, and of course, raise is R A Z E to tear down, to destroy, to demolish. Right. Um, but they kind of looked as like, oh, you, you're not a church, you're not a church service at Born to Raise Hell. Right. So it didn't work good for churches, but for prison, it was a whole nother game, because people would come in, they would see the name on there, and like, oh, well, hold on, Born to Raise Hell. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a hell raiser. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Um, so they'll just show up. And that's all it was. That's all we needed was to get people in. And, of course, we we did things kind of different. We weren't expecting, because you can't go into a prison expecting to have a standard church service. Right. Um, it's not going to work. Um, so, you, of course, our things is um, it's very loud. We are rowdy. Um, we want to make sure to show them that um, church, that God being a Christian, can be fun, that it's not just a boring lifestyle sitting in there. Um, so that was kind of our whole 
aspect of that. And of course, it was to encourage people to keep pushing forward. Right. That was our biggest thing because a lot of times in there, um, they don't have people, their family cuts all ties with them. They lose everything. No one talks to them. No one calls them. Their family that they said, it's like, yeah, we'll write you. We'll come down and see you. And yeah, it might show up a couple times and then it stops. Right. So at that point, a lot of them, they're on their own. They're, they don't have anything else going on except for what's in that, that unit. Um, and of course, we even got to the point that what we would do is, because we were limited to one-hour services, so what we would do is we would have our service and we would hand out prayer request cards just for people. It's like, fill this out. Um, and on the bottom, write down your name, um, your ID number, because you have to have their ID number and stuff. Right. And it's like, we know the address. Just write that down. And if you want to, you fill that out. We will write you a card back, a handwritten card. Just um, mail it back to you. And we did that. And that took off. We were sending out about upwards to 150 <coughs> cards a month of sending out to um, them. And, of course, some people, they they never received a card whatsoever. We were the only ones they would ever receive a card from. So it was at that point that we were hitting them in a different location. It wasn't just that we were going down there. We were preaching, and we leave, and we left. Because we had been in prison ministry since I was 14. Right. And we noticed that it's like that's all that a lot of people did it's like we didn't want that we wanted them to be basically family we wanted them to know it's like hey no we're here for you every step of the way right we're not just going to come down here forget about you once we leave out and of course we would read the prayer request pray over them and then write them a card so we would know what they're talking about so we would come back in see their name it's like hey you you ask prayers for your wife or your um daughter and stuff and like that I'm like, yeah, we did, and um, stuff like that. And they were like, you, got, you actually remember that? And I'm like, well, that was our, that's our job. That's what we're doing here. It's like this is much more than just a, a church service. This is a ministry. You know, and there's, it, there's an interesting parallel, too. Uh, people who are really, really good in ministry, I've also found, are very, very good in service industries. Yes. Because the two are very, very similar. Yes, they go hand in hand. They, they really do. You, you think in a service industry, you know, it, well, you know what, I'll say this, and I hope I don't make anybody mad, but the service industry and, and the church industry, as it were, can sometimes get very cookie cutter. You bring people in, yep. they receive what it is that they came to came to receive, and then they go back out the door. Whereas good hospitality in a, uh, in a restaurant setting sets you apart from other restaurants. Yes. The way you are treated in the, in the church side changes the way that you perceive what church looks like. Yes. So especially when you're in a place like a maximum security prison, yep. being treated like a human being probably has a dramatic impact on these people. Yes, it does. And of course, that was the thing um, so much about it is you have to look past the fact that it's like when I don't go in there, I don't expect, I'm not looking at them as a resident, as a person with a criminal background. I'm not questioning. It's like, well, what, what are they in here for? Or things like that. It's like, I'm going in there. It's like, these are other people. I'm going in as a church service. I'm not questioning. I'm not thinking about anyone else. I'm just going in there. And like, these are still humans. Right. These are people right here. They have families. Yes, okay, they might have got caught up in the wrong, wrong lifestyle. They might have done something wrong. But who 
which of us have not done something wrong yeah. in our life? He who is without sin comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so at that point, it's like, who am I to judge what they've done? It's like, I'm here. I was like, I want to show them that they're loved because if God can love us, if Jesus can love us in anything that we do, there's no different from them. And one of my biggest things I always did a lot of preaching about was um, Saul. One of my, oh, yeah. Saul and Paul, that is one of my favorite th- stories um, because you got to think about it is like you have to think about before who, who Saul was beforehand. Saul was someone who just kind of, um, he killed Christians. That was his main thing. So you have that point. And then, so he has a, on his trip, he has a life-altering decision that changes every aspect of him. So much so it changes his name. Yes. But then you, at that point, you have to then think about, he's going out and preaching and writing letters um, to the Christians yeah. about the what he originally killed and you have to then look at it it's like how do those people perceive him right um because what he's now talking to them about he used to kill them for so it's like at that point you kind of have to think about it it's like if god can love saul um so much that he wrote most of the new testament i mean how much more can he love someone of who's done something else who has quite literally not murdered a christian yes right so i mean it wasn't a complete Christian genocide, because that's pretty much what he was. Yeah. Um, so at that point, it's like that's kind of the thing. Is like I tell him, it's like it's like God loves you. There's nothing that he, you can do that he doesn't love you. So it's kind of at that point, it's like you kind of learn who they are, and they kind of look at it differently. We were talking to Jeremy Hames of the Gunslinging Burger. We are almost out of time. Jeremy, hit them with that address, and let's talk about your best burgers. What does everybody need to come in and try? All right, um, you can um, reach us at 713 East 4th Street, um, directly across from Sonic and HR Block, um, open Monday through Saturday. Um, best burger they need to try? My money is the Jack's Ranch. But Jack's Ranch? That's always been my favorite. That's the number one selling burger. Yeah, is it? That's, that's my favorite one. It's awesome. Um, I would have to say probably... For, to get someone to get an aspect to grasp everything that what's going on at there, I would have to say the Butch and Sundance. Ah, is that the one with the egg? No, that's no. into the sunset. Butch yeah. and Sundance is the half and half burger. Um, that is one of my specialty um, creations. I had talked to a lot of my chef friends um, and asking them, and no one had ever seen anything like this. Um, but it is one of the side of the burger is completely spicy. The other side is completely sweet. Um, so with the burger, you have three different flavor profiles. One is a spicy burger. The other side is a sweet burger. And then in the middle, you have a cross that fluctuates between. It's a sweet and spicy burger. So that's the one I would say to kind of get you an idea of what's going on with the menu. It is a gourmet burger place. It's not your mama's burger shack. No. This is a, it's a great place. And for my money... I Alethis may not endorse this. This is not the official opinion of Alethis, but I can look right into the camera and say the Gunslinging Burger is the best burger in town, and you need to go and see them. Jeremy, it's been a pleasure, my friend. We need yes, to sir. do this again. Let's do it again. Yes, we will. All right, and I'll see you for Game for Change here in the next couple of weeks. It's Jeremy Hames right there. I'm Drew Brent. Thanks so much for joining us here today on The Spotlight. Remember, if you're in the market to buy or sell your home, give us a call today, 479-968-5668. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.